I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I know that sounds like a cry for help. I don't mean it that way. I'm not like needing to, you know, but I just, I just, I just, I I don't want to read any newspapers or watch any news or listen to any radio. I just, just, I I hear you. I really do. Uh, uh, The one thing that keeps me going, well, two things. Number one, just stubbornness. Uh, you could ask my mom before she passed away. <laughs> I was born that way. Uh, second thing is, there are days I feel like sanity is, if not, I mean, it's not winning yet, but pe- more and more people are saying, you know, uh, what's going on now is completely insane and not working. I think I remember an alternative. Um, and I feel like in some ways, in some places, there's progress back towards sanity. Yeah, Sam Harris, the lefty podcaster dude, he had a great podcast about this a year or so ago that I thought was so good. And he sounded so down. He was just like, I, I don't feel like anybody's being honest. You can't trust anything you read or hear, so it's so easy to think, why do I bother? I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. It's yeah. tough. God, yeah. what is a quote I read the other day that kept me going for a while? I should dig it back up. It was something along the lines of... Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Might have been Plato. Like, going way back. Aristotle, somebody like that. Plato Fun Factory? Plato the Philosopher. Plato. Am I saying D? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm I wonder about me- the my my, talk, my talking ain't so great. I notice that when I voice text. 
a lot of words that show up. But clearly, I don't say that right because the Siri cannot figure out what I'm saying. You know, uh, yeah, I think I think that's universal. There are times I, I do it, and I think, listen, I speak for a living. I'm a little mush mouthed, but probably less than the average person. You know, what my favorite one is, and I'd love to know what the algorithm is on that. Maybe now that Apple stopped making the iPod, they can take that division <laughs> and turn it toward voice texting. But you're, you, you know, you're voice texting into your phone or whatever, and you're watching the words show up as you talk. And the number of times it gets it exactly right. You heard me perfectly well, and then it changes it into something else. Yeah. No, you heard it right. What made you decide that the first time you heard it, when you had it right, was wrong, and now you're going to change meet me at the restaurant to do you want an oil change or whatever it is? (laughs) What made you do that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the artificial intelligence is still coming along. I say, and I'm sure I always will. I'm an old dog, new tricks. There's no changing me at this point. I say has instead of has. H-A-S. That has to be wrong. I say that has to be wrong. No, I'd say has, too. Well, does it, it work? Has. When I voice text, it always gives me a different word than H-A-S. H-O-U-Z-Z, Jack in the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, that's what I thought. I thought, do people say has? Because I don't... No, nobody says has. Okay. <laughs> so it's not your fault. <laughs> don't blame yourself. What was I talking about? Oh, so Plato, I think it was, that said something about... Uh, along the lines of, I, I won't try to figure it out, get the wording right, but it's if you're not, we all don't want to pay attention because it's tiring, but if we don't pay attention, we're going to be ruled by those who are. Mm, and there's just yeah. no getting around that catch-22. Yeah, you, yeah, that reminds me of the whole, uh, you might not have an interest in politics, but politics has an interest in you. Yeah, if you, if you decide, you know what, I'm tired of all this crap, well, then people are going to make rules for your school, for your streets, for your crime, for all kinds of things that you don't like because you decided I'm tired of this. And that's just that's just the catch-22 that's involved. Yeah, there, yeah, I got yeah. our listeners back engaged, giving them a reason to pay attention. Did you? Did you? Uh, you know my favorite AI failure for, uh, for Siri in particular is uh, every time I text a friend and say, hey, I have a 1 o'clock tea time, are you available? And it always spells it out, T-E-A time, as if we're going to break out the white gloves and the doilies and the fine china and make ourselves a bit of tea, perhaps have a crumpet or two. I'm a middle-aged American male. Do you really think I'm going to have tea time, or maybe I'm going to take out my golf clubs and we're going to go play golf? Come on, you're based out of Cupertino, California. How many people do you see having tea time with an A? That's right. It's not Bath, England, a hundred years ago. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> That's pretty funny. All right. All right. So I don't know how much time we have left to do this, but I don't care anymore. Your stirring plate from, quote, from your Plato Fun Factory didn't stir me quite as... As well as it should have. It's, it's absolutely true, though. If you ever find yourself going down that road, because I think we all do probably once a day. But And I knew a guy. Uh, he had actually been in Vietnam and um, didn't enjoy his experience. And he just checked out. Man, he didn't he didn't know who was president. He didn't pay attention to anything Was uh, because he felt like he'd been lied to and misled. And Sure. Yeah. Um, I get his initial feelings. He's definitely wrong about the other end, though, because it is just a fact. Whenever you're tempted to say, ah, screw it, they're all liars and the media lies, that's all true. 
But do you want to cede all of the rules to to the class that is participating? I don't. Yeah, yeah, I certainly understand, though, and I'm I'm talking to listeners as well as us here, obviously. But uh, I certainly understand the need to take a break now and again. And oh how you yeah, can get well, yeah, burned the, out, and you know, no doubt there's balance and that sort of thing. And and because of this job, uh, uh, it's easy to take in too much news. And I don't think it does you any good either. Um, we try to find interesting, unique angles. Right, this is a different sort of thing. But if you're if you're taking it in as like um, it's your entertainment. You you already know this story, but you're hearing more punditry yelling about it on whichever side. Eh, I'm not sure anybody's doing themselves any good on that. Yeah, I wonder. Interesting thought. Uh, so the new White House press secretary takes to the podium today, I believe. She's been uh, the uh, the pinch hitter and the second to Jen Psaki for a while. Uh, I think we're all supposed to be enthralled with the fact that she is uh, the first black woman and openly gay. We'll uh, get to her deal. She is also a harsh, hardcore, way left progressive partisan. Interesting the choice. Idea that she's going to deal with the nation's media. I think that means something about where the Biden administration is at this point politically. Uh, some of her quotes, the list of things she has called racist in recent years. Yeah, she's one of those. She's one of those people who calls absolutely everything racist if she doesn't like it. But from her perspective, her philosophy, uh, she's right. It's just that her philosophy is utter bunk. Yeah. So we'll get into that. Yeah, if you follow the news, like we were just talking about, you're going to see her practically every day for the next you know, foreseeable future. Learn who she is next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Talk of inflation. The overwhelming consensus is going to pop up a little bit and then go back down. No one's talking about this great, great deal. Most of the price increases we've seen are were expected and are expected to be temporary. Nobody's suggesting there's unchecked inflation on the way. It's un- highly unlikely that it's going to be long-term inflation that's going to get out of hand. I don't know anybody, including Larry Summers, who's a friend of mine, yeah. who's worried about inflation wow wow i know i know for a fact that's wrong larry summers in the washington post saying hey we're going to create horrific inflation if we keep spending this much money rather specifically and in terms easy to understand even if you're a senile 90 year old or however old joe biden is he clearly needs a spokesperson. Jen Psaki has had enough of the thankless task. She's now going to harangue you from the uh, MSNBC channel. And stepping into the awesome chair of uh, Secretary of the Press is uh, one Karine Jean-Pierre, who I think we're supposed to be very, very excited about for reasons explained in clip 20, Michael. First, as you all know, she will be the first black woman, uh, the first out LGBTQ plus person to serve in this role. The first black woman and out gay person to speak for the president. Becoming the first black woman and LGBTQ person. The first black woman, first openly gay person. The first black woman, the first openly gay person. The first black person, first openly gay person. Becoming the first black person and first openly LGBTQ person to serve as White House press secretary. I guess that's the only thing I need to know about her. 
That's right. She's clearly qualified for the job. Look at her. So uh, it's funny. I have two thoughts on that. Number one, it does check off both gay and black. So the next time they go to appoint a press secretary, if it's a gay person or black person, um, that won't be groundbreaking. So I'll assume they were just the most qualified, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Once we get past all of these. Um, and there, there shouldn't, obviously there, you shouldn't exclude somebody because they're gay or black. I don't think anybody of, was. Of but, course not. Uh, that would be repugnant. Yeah. Well, I'm sure yeah. they were back in the day. There's no way, for instance, you wouldn't have had a black press secretary or a gay press, openly gay press secretary not that many years ago. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm fine with that. I think America ought to be much more open to different people who look like different things and, and believe different things uh, having a role in public life. I'm for it because it utilizes our talent and makes us a more powerful oh, yeah. country. Indeed, 100%. On the other hand, she is a crazy, freaking, radical, progressive hater. She hates Fox News. I think she hates white people. She calls everybody racist all the time. We'll have an example or two of that. Uh, let's see. Uh, give us clip 22. Here she is with the, uh, the awful Joy Reid on MSNBC. The easy pivot is race, is, mm-hmm. is ethnicity. Yeah. They say it's a foreign virus. I've noticed people tweeting Chinese coronavirus. Right. That's, or, that's what or Tucker Wuhan. Carlson said, right? Yeah. When you look at Fox News, Fox News was racist before coronavirus. They are racist during the coronavirus. Fox News will be racist after the coronavirus. So there is nothing new here. There you go. So the woman that is going to start calling on the press to give information and answer questions has stated already that Fox is just flat-out racist. So the one channel, the one TV channel that's not lefty out there, she declares racist, and she's going to be in charge of deciding. Okay, that's just great. Well, and the evidence being somebody saying Chinese coronavirus or saying something about Wuhan. So if you criticize the communist Chinese, that makes you a racist. Among other people, she's found racist and declared so on uh, Twitter, uh, Senator John Cornyn, Joe Arpaio, border walls, needless to say, are racist. Roseanne Barr is racist. Mike Huckabee, who seems like a nice fellow, is racist. Uh, let's see. The federal government shutdowns don't seem to have anything to do with race, but they are racist. The federal shutdowns. Donald Trump, racist, of course. Uh, Jeff Sessions, also racist. Brexit, again, somehow racist, according to uh, Ms. Jean-Pierre. Uh, let's see. Ed Gillespie, former Senate candidate in Virginia, racist. Uh, Ron DeSantis, racist. Steve Bannon, racist. Uh, Sebastian Gorka, Gorka, racist. Republicans who criticized Ralph Northam, remember he was in blackface. Uh, they're racists as well. Uh, Ice Cream and Shakespeare, racist. We know that. <laughs> Ice Cream and Shakespeare. And the only quote-unquote defense I can come up with for this lunatic is she's part of the critical race theory crowd or the equity crowd that believes if you support any institution of the United States, because the United States is a racist country, your support for those institutions proves you are a, say it with me now, racist. Exactly. So from her crazy-ass point of view, she's right. Uh, The other thing that's worth probably pointing out about this product of private academies and an Ivy League college constantly pointing out how oppressed she is and how you hard-working white Americans who barely got a 100 bucks in the bank, your white privilege renders you evil. And and again, she's the oppressed one. Uh, Crazy. Uh, She has gone on and on through the years, 2016, 2020, about stolen elections, 
Uh, Hillary had the election stolen from her. It was a stolen election, and Trump is hashtag unpresident Trump. Also, the uh, always le- always left out of this whole conversation is the fact that Hillary was the first person to not accept the result of an election. Right, absolutely. Uh, she also went big time. Where's that note I've got? She went big time on the election of Governor Kemp in Georgia, how he stole that election from Stacey Abrams. It would stop the steal of Kemp. She was a leader on that, denying the legitimacy of the elections. Also, she has gone on and on at length about how voter IDs are patently racist. Every ID law in the country is racist, even though practically every country on the planet, including is in Africa, has voter ID laws. And the majority of black people in America think it's perfectly legitimate to be asked to show an ID. She said, quote, in order to get these voter suppression laws, besides gutting the Voting Rights Act, you've also got to get your people in there to put these awful laws in place. I'm so glad that the Georgia issue is being talked about almost every day now. It's getting national attention and needs to because what's happening is pure racism. Remember, Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. There you go. Stolen right. elections. Um, maybe next segment we should relook at the overdose deaths. The numbers are out. Pretty high. Pretty shocking. What do we do about that? I thought this was interesting, though, kind of on the topic we were just on. Saw this tweet yesterday. Am I crazy? Or was there just an article saying that George Washington University must change its name in the Washington Post? Well, there was. Op-ed piece written by a uh, professor that George Washington University needs to change its name. There are at least four ways this university could achieve progress, says the professor there. Decolonized university curriculum, whatever the hell that means. Get rid of lunatic freaking professors. Sorry, I jumped in there. Go on. uh, Increase black enrollment. Select an African-American president, okay then, and renaming the university. It's not just the university's name that's a problem. Just blocks from the main campus is the Mount Vernon campus named for George Washington's former slave plantation. Every day, hundreds of black students walk on a campus named after an enslaver of men and study at a site named after dark parts of history. Such sites, among other locations and buildings, are touted as glorified mementos here at George Washington. The indignity and justice of it uh, is overlooked and goes into how uh, the song they sing, Hail the George Washington, needs to go. The name needs to go. They also need to do away with the Winston Churchill Library because Winston Churchill was a colonial colonial colonializer and a whole bunch of other different names. So there you go. And again, that article was in the Washington Post, which is pretty funny. Yeah, it is. It'd be funnier if these people weren't still making progress. I feel yeah. like the pushback is growing oh, yeah. faster. It, it wouldn't be it would it would definitely be funnier if they didn't often get their way on this stuff. Data science is ruled on dating. How to date, who to date. Finally, science next. Armstrong and Getty. The big take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the US and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There's a new musical premiering exclusively on TikTok later this month featuring Doja Cat and Dolly Parton. It's being produced by Taco Bell and it's called Mexican Pizza the Musical. Yeah. A musical premiering exclusively on TikTok. So if you get bored, you always have the option to swipe up and watch a dental assistant doing the My Money Don't Jiggle Jiggle dance. I officially don't have any idea what's going on anymore. So I don't know what cryptocurrency is. And I just heard a musical is debuting on TikTok, which I don't even know what that means. All right. (laughs) Coming up, data scientists using artificial intelligence have analyzed all the potential traits of would-be mates and have come up with a fascinating answer about who to date and how and what they've learned. Fantastic. The the answer will shock you. So everyone was shocked roughly a year ago when we found out that overdose deaths had increased 30% in a year. With many people blaming the pandemic... And many people not blaming the pandemic. So the overdose death thing has been growing. Actually, it's gone up every year, except for one, since the 70s. Some people would say, see, the war on drugs is a failure. Let's stop it. 
Uh, my libertarian friends have wanted to legalize drugs forever. I've never understood how that would work. It just has never been explained to me in a way that makes sense to me. But anyway, um, so drug deaths have gone up. Well, it's a completely different thing than it was a few years ago. Remember, we talked about this all the time. It was huge. It was exploding. It was growing. It's what hillbilly elegy was about to a certain extent. Remember all the 60 Minutes reports of the big pharmaceutical companies that were sending millions of pills to one pharmacy in one rural town, and then that pharmacist would dole them out to anybody who claimed they had their elbow hurt, and all these people were getting hooked on painkillers and dying, and Rush Limbaugh went deaf. But those were real legal drugs not legally being you know distributed and used but or at least ethically being distributed and used mm-hmm. completely different than what's going on now so the numbers are out today another 15 percent increase from the 100,000 deaths to about 115,000 deaths it's the fentanyl it's the Extra strong, the fentanyl is getting even more powerful, and the meth is more powerful. So they're combining the extra strong fentanyl with the extra strong meth. That's what it's doing. And it's not people getting hooked on painkillers anymore. Or well, people no, start, are, are only, coming up with a way to get their painkillers and selling them to your neighbor or whatever. My only quibble is that it's related in that a lot of people who developed opioid addictions moved on to heroin, and then when you couldn't get heroin anymore, they're now on to the synthetics and getting them through the cartels and stuff like that. That's interesting. But most of the, the deaths, the increase in deaths, it's fentanyl and meth is killing people. Don't Doing speed balls. Don't, and goofballs. That's what it said. Speed balls and goofballs, whatever a goofball is. Uh, don't be doing the modern meth laced with fentanyl unless you want to die. You know, I remember during the height of the COVID panic, and it was a panic, um, we mentioned a number of times that San Francisco in particular was having far more overdose deaths than COVID deaths. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even close. Uh, those numbers have exploded since then. They're dwarfing those numbers now. The numbers for March are just in. This is one city. Uh, that, 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 where is it? Uh, let's see. That, 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 45 additional deaths in March alone in one city from overdose. From this New York Times article, often synthesized in Mexico from precursor chemicals made in China, fentanyl long ago permeated the heroin markets of the Northeast and the Midwest, but recent data shows it has established a stronghold in the South and West as well. The economics of fentanyl have just been pushing the other drugs out of the market. It's just so cheap to buy fentanyl and turn around and put it in whatever. Mm. Um, and you quoted last hour, and we should mention any time we're on this topic, there is no such thing, according to experts, as safe recreational hard drug use anymore. Yeah, that's right. You just have no idea what's in it. If it is uh, from a chemistry set as opposed to grown in the ground, there's an excellent chance that it's been cut with fentanyl for a couple of different reasons. Number one, it's so incredibly potent, it's easy to transport, easier for the cartels, the smugglers, etc. So instead of, you know, oxycodone or whatever, or, or you know, and, and high school kids, I guess, do pills these days. They take like one... Uh, I'm I'm not good at the drug names these days, but the, just they want to get a little high for a while. But that pill is not from a phar- pharmaceutical company. That is a fake made by a cartel to look real, and it's probably got some fentanyl in it. It's just, oh, my God, it is Russian roulette in a way it was not for my generation. And trust me, I'm not coming at this from some sort of Nancy Reagan panty waist don't do drugs thing. I uh, I knew my way around a good time as a youth. I'll just say that. Uh, it is completely 
different. It's like the difference between casual sex in 1968 and at the height of the AIDS epidemic, especially if you were gay. Um, it's just it's a different time. You got to treat it differently. Yep. It, it, one way that would slow it down, obviously, would having secure borders like every other country in the world. Different time. Yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't eliminate it completely, but it would sure help. So on a complete... Hey, you know what, Michael? We haven't done transition music for a long time, have we? Come on now. What do you got for us? That's some good whatever that is. But it worked. It transitioned. I don't even remember what we were talking about. I find it oddly fascinating. Yeah, I usually, I usually hate yodeling. I never understood as a kid, whenever there'd be a yodeler on one of your variety shows, who the frig wants this, I think, but <laughs> that I kind of liked. All right, totally different topic, and as I look at the clock, this has got to be a two-part featurette, so we will uh, pay off the first part of it and then the, the interesting second half right after the commercial break, but uh, this article from Wired mentions that uh, that uh, deciding who you marry could be the most important decision that you make. Oh, Warren Buffett said that, for instance. freaking and yet people have rarely turned to science for help with the all-important decision, and science hasn't really been able to help much. Um, I represent science. That's a thank you. Thank you, you freaking asshat. A few years ago, a young, energetic, uber-curious, brilliant scientist, Samantha Joel, aimed to change the fact that science has really not contributed to this field at all. Huh. Uh, Ms. Joel, like so many in her field, was interested in what predict, predicts successful relationships. She had noticed a, uh, a no, she had a diff, uh, noticeably different approach from others. She did not merely recruit a new tiny sample of couples. Instead, she joined together data from other already existing studies. Uh, big studies with lots of data, and it worked. She recruited a large number of scientists who collected data on relationships. Her team ended up including 85 other scientists and was able to build a data set of almost, well, a little over 11,000 heterosexual couples. They decided it would overcomplicate things to add in the variety, but anyway. So the size of the data set was impressive. So was the information it contained. For each couple, Ms. Joel and her team of researchers had measures of how happy each partner reported being in the relationship, and they had data on just about anything you could think to measure about the two people in that relationship. Demographics, like education, income, race, physical appearance, how attractive did other people rate each partner. And sexual, at what point in the relationship are they asking this question? Uh, they were quote unquote successful couples. Okay. Uh, if I remember correctly, yeah. Uh, sexual tastes. How frequently did each partner want sex? How freaky did they want that sex to be? Super freaky, ow. <laughs> Good and freaky, if you're asking. <laughs> In, what are their interests and hobbies? What are their mental and physical health pictures? Their values about re- politics, relations, childhood, religion. My- my hobby is crafting my apparatus for the freaky sex. <laughs> for instance, <laughs> further, Ms. Joel and her team didn't just have more data than everybody else in the field. They had better statistical methods. They had mastered machine learning, a subset of artificial intelligence that allowed contemporary scholars to detect subtle patterns in large mounds of data. After building her team and collecting and analyzing the data. That's what happened. Data, you married her because of her large mounds, and it was a mistake. <laughs> wow. Yes. Wow. Here I am trying to present science, and, and various clowns 
are interfering. After building her team, collecting and analyzing the data, Joel was ready to present the results. Results of the per- perhaps the most exciting project in the history of late relationship science. As she uh, she scheduled a talk at a university, can we help people pick better romantic partners? Mm, so that's that's interesting. You threw in the word romance because that's where it gets difficult. But that, I'll, I'll save that for well, later. That's what they meant. Yeah, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. partners, um, as opposed to business partners. But so can Samantha Joel teaming up with eighty-five of the world's most renowned scientists, combing data from forty-three studies, mining hundreds of variables collected from more than ten thousand, utilizing state-of-the-art machine learning models, can they help people pick better romantic partners? No. No, they cannot. Wow, that's they, interesting. They realized how unpredictable relationships seem oh, to be. Wow. She and her is, co-authors that is... found that demographics, preferences, values of two people had surprisingly little power in predicting whether those two people were happy in a relationship. You know, I've thought about this before with uh, a couple of my best friends. I can think of one in particular. We don't like any of the same music. I don't know if there's a song we both like, for instance. You know, or, or things like that. The kind of things that regularly come up in dating and that sort of stuff. Uh, somebody that I've been friends with for 30 years. So it, it is, it is so complex, human relationships. So complex. Ah, but wait, which brings us to part two after the commercial break. Oh boy, they're to part two. See, they did actually learn some pretty interesting things about people in romantic relationships. Can't wait to hear it. The romantic part is because the heart is a moron. They just, they just, well, yes, as we established yesterday, it is the stupidest organ. <laughs> the heart, very good at pumping blood around and getting oxygen to various parts of your body. Not good at making decisions. Really Whoa. ought to shut the hell up. <laughs> Who asks you, says the brain? I'm taking over here, says the heart. <sighs> oh, no, says the rest of the being. Or it well, should. Certainly. Giggity, giggity, says the other stupid organ. <laughs> Okay, I think we probably ought to wrap this up and come back with the exciting conclusion. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. the text line i don't refer to it much uh, or enough anyway but somebody pointed out fentanyl deaths aren't overdoses they're poisonings you know that's more that's closer to accurate i think hmm i could quibble um that's a first uh, so uh, getting back to this question of uh, is it possible to predict uh, what couples will be happy or um or, or you know who who ought to be together that sort of thing uh these data scientists got together crunched an enormous amount of data and really didn't come up with an answer that was satisfying to anybody in their initial question but they did learn some really really interesting things about relationships and when they work and when they don't um and this is way more than i can get to i will desperately try to cram this into the time we have in a way that makes a little bit of or, sense. Or we got to re, re, readdress it tomorrow. I mean, what's a hotter topic than that? Oh, yeah, I know. I know, indeed. So the one thing they did figure out, though, is it's super easy to predict who's going to swipe left or right on a particular person at an online dating site. In other words, it's easy to see what people are looking for. Interesting. They have a type, then, because that's all uh, another- visual, right? Is it? Well, yeah, and a lot of us have the same sort of type, and I'll explain in a second, but another way to say all this, good romantic partners are difficult to predict with data. Desired romantic partners are easy to predict with data, and that suggests that many of us are dating all wrong. And and they get into uh, the most important characteristics that come up over and over again. Tall, if you're a man. Someone of a desired race, even though most people never admit it. Uh, someone rich. Someone in an enforcement profession, like lawyer or fireman, if a man, is very important. I like the way someone you say with fireman. A... <laughs> <laughs> Firefighter. Uh, someone with a sexy name. Really? There are names that seem sexier than others. Really? Wow, yeah, you got to look at yeah. your name and change it if it's not working for you. Yeah, hey, uh, uh, go with Jacob, fellas. Oh, anyway, really? Uh, okay, cool. Uh, and someone just like ourselves, uh, people are 11.3% more likely to match with someone who shares their initials, for instance. What? How freaking dopey is that? <laughs> The fascinating, if sometimes disturbing data, and by the way, I'm getting to a punchline that will blow your frickin' mind. Uh, the pa- fascinating, if sometimes disturbing data from online dating sites tells us that single people are predictably drawn to certain qualities. But should they be drawn to these qualities? 
If you're like the average single dater, probably clicking on people with the traits the scientists found are most desired, are you going about dating correctly or are you dating all wrong? Uh, now, here's the way, uh, here's the part I've got to skip over some information and we'll go, we'll go big on it tomorrow. But here's, here's the punchline. Predicting romantic happiness. Say there is a person, John, and he is partnered with Sally. You want to predict whether John is happy in the relationship. You're allowed to ask John and or Sally any three questions about themselves and use this information to predict whether John is happy in the relationship. What questions would you want to ask? What would you want to know about the two members of this couple? According to the the read of the research by this Samantha Joel and her co-authors, as well as some other research in relationship science, the best three questions to figure out whether John is happy with Sally would have nothing to do with Sally. In fact, all would be related to John. The best questions to predict John's mm. happiness with Sally might look something like these. John, were you satisfied with your life before you met Sally? Oh, John, wow. were you free from John, were you free from depression before you met Sally? Uh John, oh, boy. did your life have a positive feel day to day before you met Sally? So in other words, you picked somebody to fix your miserable life as opposed to you were in a good life and something that could even make it better came along. Did you both bring happy into the relationship? Okay, that's a good way to look now, at it, Now, if you're not happy, which may not be any fault of yours, that may sound kind of discouraging. Uh, it's not impossible to overcome Enjoy being alone, unhappy. You thought you were unhappy before this segment. <laughs> oh, no, that's not my point at all. No. It's Final Thoughts, boys. That'll do, boys. Soon we'll hear your comments, entertain us, give us closure, for the show is nearly done. God, I find that soothing. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. (sighs) So beautiful. I didn't even get to uh, my analysis of the data based on my long marriage, but maybe tomorrow. Uh, So let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Michelangelo, Technical Director, Fireway Michael. Final thought? Yeah, I'd say that dating is a lot like shooting off illegal fireworks. You don't know what quite will happen. You just don't want to get hurt or burn the house down. (laughs) A lot of crazy people out there. Pretty accurate. Yeah, there's some truth there. Uh, Young Alex, our behind-the-scenes producer, enjoying his honeymoonage. He'll be back soon. Jack, a final thought for us? We should find out from Alex if he's willing to talk about how he and his now wife met. Because the story is really good. I don't know if he wants to share it on the air. Um, uh, That was... uh, that was a, a cruel little blow from God that Joe brought us, depending on your situation. So if you're already happy, you're going to be in a relationship with somebody and you're both going to be happy. If you're already miserable, you're going to end up in a relationship and be miserable. Oh, boy. You know, I, I've changed my final thought to answering that. I think the answer is that if you're aware that that's one of the reasons for the angst, you'll know what to work on mm. as opposed to well if my spouse wasn't an idiot you know for instance oh boy. you'd know where to direct your energy the heart wants what the heart wants joe the heart should shut up yeah geez where have you gotten me heart <laughs> armstrong and getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday 
So many people who thank so little time. If you want to go to armstrongandgetty.com, you're going to find the hot links, all sorts of articles and, and uh, videos and stuff we talked about. Get yourself some A&G swag. Helps to keep the fellows on the payroll. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, the Armstrong and Getty On Demand podcast, if you missed a chunk of the show. Remember that one right after college, Hart? You want to explain that? All right, then shut up. <laughs> see you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. That's a little. Okay. No! That's not right. You fool! I think that's a part of it. I expect more. I don't give two craps. Control your soul's desire for freedom. But if we don't. Had herpes before that fight, two outbreaks. Aww. So let's go out with a bang. I personally hate sea turtles, so I like the plastic straws. I think they should pay for their crimes. But <laughs> Thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.